Me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast-forwards his favorite foreign film. Hip, 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 powder donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Oh, man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. This is Dr. Mariah White, host of Your Life Matters. Thanks for listening to the following broadcast on Public House Media. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another week and another episode of the Food for Thought podcast. I am your host, Kylie Thompson. Thank you so much for joining me today. Before we hop into this episode, I do want to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, Bubbler. If you guys know me, I am, I mean, to put it bluntly, I have a caffeine addiction and I used to be really into Red Bull and soda specifically. And a couple years back, I found Bubbler and I literally quit those drinks cold turkey because Bubbler is a green tea, natural energy based drink. It's got the bubbles of soda and Red Bull without all of the disgusting stuff that is not good for you. So I've been drinking my one bubbler every day between 2 and 3 o'clock to get me through my midday slump. And guys, seriously, I'm not jittery and there's no crash at the end of the day. So I live in Wisconsin. I can find a bubbler at any quick trip um, or any gas station, really, as well as at Festival Foods or Target. So if you guys are in Wisconsin, that's where you guys can find it as well. Otherwise, if you are not from the Midwest, head over to bubbler.com and check out their store locator so you can find the cases nearest to you. All right, everyone, today I am here with Chloe Reagan. She is the coolest human being of all time. I am obsessed with her. She is an activist for so many different causes, and she'll talk on that a little bit. But I have her on the podcast today because she is promoting, you know, mental health awareness for so many different issues, including eating disorder awareness, advocation, and prevention, which is obviously what I do as well. So talking with her was amazing. She is such an amazing advocate. She puts everything out there, and I just really admired talking to her because she was, you know, she stood up for herself and talked about what she did and did not want to talk about with me prior to recording. She was messaging me afterwards talking about other stuff she wished that she had said, and really, she just is so amazing, so thoughtful, and I'm really, really excited for you guys to listen to this episode. I was going to talk a little bit about my vacation, but I decided instead to put it in an Instagram post um, when it is in regards to my eating disorder recovery and my journey and talking about, you know, how mental health can fluctuate while you're on vacation. So if you guys don't follow already, make sure to head to the Food for Thought podcast Instagram. It'll be at foodforthoughtpod underscore, and it's the first post um, as of right now. It's Sunday at noon. I don't think I'll post anything else before this episode goes out, so make sure to go check that out and give it some love if you were interested in how my vacation went. Without further ado, I do just want to bring on Chloe Reagan. All right, everyone. Welcome, Chloe Reagan. How are you today? I'm really good, thank you. How are you? I'm good, thank you. So why don't we just jump right into it, tell everyone a little bit about yourself. It can be related to like your mental health journey or not. Mm -hmm. Just what do you want the listeners to know right off the bat? I think I'll go non-mental health related. Um, So yeah, my name's Chloe, I'm 23 and I'm from the UK. 
Um, I did, I studied at Leeds College of Art. Um, and I also did a tattooing apprenticeship for a while as well. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, which was interesting. <laughs> um, yeah, and some of my hobbies. Um, I like to bake, love to bake. Um, I do a lot of yoga. Um, and I'm interested a lot in LGBTQ plus rights um, and activism. Um, so, yeah, I'm involved in like quite a lot of protests and marches and stuff like that. Um, I'm trying to think. When somebody asks you to like kind of talk about yourself, you just forget who you it's are so, as a person. It's so hard. You're like, there's nothing interesting about me. Yeah. I don't do anything. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. And I also, um, I'm co-owner of the Happy Box Project. Um, and yeah, that's been running now, I think, for about a year. Um, and that's going really well. Perfect. Um, I actually did want to ask you about that. So we can just jump right in with that. Yeah. Um, what is the Happy Box Project and how did that start? So it started, well, the two other women that I do it with, um, I actually met them in hospital. Um, and we, we figured that we were always complaining and never, never satisfied with the state of the mental health services that are over here. And we were just, we sat down together and we was like, what can we do? Well, to help these people. Um, and we remembered that when, when we were in hospital, we actually received a box from somebody and it was full of stuff to help aid our recovery. And we remembered back to that and remembered how, how amazing it was to receive that. And it, it made the admission so much easier. And it was such a small gesture that, it, yeah, it was just amazing. So is that, well, we, so the woman who actually run that project, she actually passed away um, due to her mental health. So we're also thinking, what would, what could we do in memory of her? Um, and then that's how we came across the Happy Box project. Um, and what we do is we, so we have a website and if people are in supported living or mental health hospital, they can apply for a box online. And what we do, we ask them a little bit about themselves, their hobbies, their interests, and their mental health diagnoses, if, if they're comfortable sharing that, um, so we can cater the boxes to them. So, for example, last week we sent one out, and this woman had BPD diagnosis, um, and she loved animals, uh, she loved self-care, so we filled it with sensory toys, um, because obviously because of a diagnosis and face masks, nail varnishes, lots of self-care stuff um, and stuff to keep her busy while she was in hospital as well, like um, paint by numbers, puzzle books. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much it. But, that's so yeah. awesome. And do you guys fund that yourself then? Like everything that goes in the boxes <clears throat> and stuff? Well, we did. We started a GoFundMe page and we raised a lot more money than what we thought we would have done, which was really great. Um, and it did, it run out a lot quicker than we thought it was gonna. Like, I think yeah. it ran out in about maybe a month. <laughs> I bet um, because if everything is so, I mean, it sounds like you guys really tailor it to each individual and like you yeah. put a lot of time into it. I can imagine that that would like use that money really quickly. <laughs> But that's really yeah. awesome. That was something that I really wanted to ask you about because I've like yeah. kind of looked at some of the links. Um, and I like that that's personalized to the individual yeah. and their diagnosis too. Mm -hmm. And do those go, are they only in the UK or do you ship like worldwide? Um, at the moment, just UK, but mm -hmm. we are hoping we're going to apply for a grant 
Um, once we register as a charity, then we'll we'll meet the criteria for quite a lot of grants. Um, so once we get that, then we're going to look at actually shipping outside of the UK, which which will be great. Yeah, that's so awesome. Can you just tell me like your story with an eating disorder, yeah, however you want to tell it? Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think it around the age, I think I've always had issues with my body. It's always been it, quite high up there. Um, and I think when I was around 11 or 12, I started to diet occasionally. Um, and it started off just as that, like I'd diet and it'd be yo-yo dieting and I'd go back to eating properly. And then I think when I probably hit around 15 or 16, that's when things started to escalate a lot. Um, so yeah, I started to severely restrict, um, compulsively exercise. And around that time, I was referred to CAMS, which is a child and adolescent mental health service. Um, and I was transferred to the eating disorder service. And obviously after speaking with the psychiatrist and having a couple of meetings, that's when I was diagnosed with anorexia. Um, but yeah, I mean, I was still in, in denial about it at that point. And I was like, I can't, I can't possibly have anorexia. Like that's, no, I, I, I'm not. Um, so yeah, that, that went on for a while and I was kind of at a, at a base, like it wasn't, I wasn't getting any better, but I wasn't deteriorating. So it wasn't, it was all right. I was managing. And then as again, I started to get older, I became severely depressed because of my eating disorder. Um, I wasn't leaving the house. I wasn't, I was just in bed constantly all day. I just couldn't function properly because I was completely consumed by the number on the scale, the thoughts around food. And it just, it got to the point where I thought that there's no way out. It's going to, this is, this is going to be my life forever. I, yeah, this is it. And I got that depressed that I did actually try and attempt to take my own life. Um, and then I think I was around 17 or 18 at that time. So again, I had a mental health act assessment and then they referred me to adult eating disorder services. Um, and yeah, I think that's when, that was when my recovery really did, it was kickstarted then. Um, so yeah, so I was getting treatment there and again, at that point, I still thought that there was, there was no way out. Like I, I can't see, cause I think for me, when you've lived with an eating disorder for such a long time, it comes as, it kind of becomes your identity and that's who you are. You are your eating disorder. And I think for me, it was a scary thought to think that, you know, with, if I do recover, like what am I? without mm -hmm. it like I'm, I'm nothing I've not got an identity like that's me so I think that that held me back quite a lot um but then I so I got told that I could join drama therapy and this was obviously with eating disorder services and I was like oh no like that that's not for me I'm not I, I thought I'd be having to like dance around and act and stuff and I thought oh, oh gosh no um but I met the drama therapist and she was lovely she explained to me I was completely wrong. It was, I didn't have to dance around, didn't have to yeah, do any of that. Um, but she, it sounds really exaggerated, but meeting this woman, she genuinely changed my life. And so, yeah, if, should I like speak a bit about the, what went on in the drama therapy? Yeah, if you want to go for it. Yeah. So yeah, we, we started to talk a lot about, we started to explore our identities 
and again like everyone in that group was like I haven't I haven't really got one it's it's my eating disorder that's that I remember she made us do this um she made us get a shoebox we brought a shoebox in and on the outside of it it was full of all the horrible stuff that comes with having an eating disorder and then in the inside we had to fill it with stuff that kind of made us us so that I think exploring that part of it made me think oh well, maybe maybe I have got something other than you know having an eating disorder so we explored that quite a lot and it I think it scared me as well because I thought that I was kind of trying trying to look for the Chloe that I knew before the eating disorder but then she made a point of it being you now have the opportunity to rebuild yourself and to discover yourself again and I think that for me was that was quite exciting but at the same time really scary um, so yeah, we, we started to explore that. And then she'd made a point to me that she just randomly came out and said that a thought is just a thought. And I was like, what, what do you mean by that? So she went to explain it and she was saying, when you, when you get this disordered thought, you engage in it straight away to get rid of it, to reduce that anxiety. But she said, if you were just able to sit there and sit with it, no matter how uncomfortable it is, then you will get through it. And you don't always have to act on the thoughts to get rid of them. Um, so again, I was like, oh, no, that's not true. That's no, don't believe you not happening. And at first it was, it was incredibly hard to just sit with it, but I noticed the more I sat with it, the easier it got. So there was that. And then she also explored the idea of, of being well at your core and having an innate wellbeing. Um, so underneath it all, you are well, and you are inside of there. So I used to explore that. And yeah, I think her for me she just allowed me to see what life would be like without any disorder and that for me was just so was so special to me and I think that's what actually kick-started my recovery all the work that I did with her um so yeah that yeah so it went on from there and then eventually obviously I was discharged from services and I think now I would consider myself fully recovered and I mean, I still do get disordered thoughts, but now I can kind of sit back, acknowledge it and be like, I don't want to listen to you. Like, mm-hmm. see you later. I'm, I'm not listening. Yeah. You have um, like the tools to get through those now. So yeah. I totally get that. Yeah. And I think what, what, what like now I, I, I do get times where I feel like I want to relapse and, and I miss how I used to look. But I think what was pivotal in my recovery was realizing that no matter how much weight I lose, my eating disorder will never be happy. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm kind of trying to achieve something that's completely unattainable. Um, and yeah, whenever I'm kind of pulled back into the, the, the grips of anorexia, I remember that and it kind of makes me step back and think, you know what, you're right, I, it, it, it will never be happy. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that, that, that is really helpful and I still, that still helps me now. Yeah. And how does all of this translate into like your, your social media and like how you present like your recovery journey and your blog and all that stuff? Like how does all that tie in and where did all of that start in terms of like your recovery journey? Um, I think I, I I did used to have, whilst I was, um, undergoing treatment, I used to have a recovery Instagram and at first I found it quite helpful. It was nice to have a community of people who, who, who had had similar experiences. But then 
as time went by, I, I came to realise that it was actually doing more harm than good. And I think the eating disorder, the eating disorder community on Instagram is extremely toxic and competitive. And I don't know, like you'd, you'd go into someone's account and it'd be, oh, an inpatient times 10, hospital times five, NG tubed. And again, it, it perpetuates that idea that to be ill or to truly struggle with an eating disorder, you, you have to get to that point. And I think it, it, can, it can leave you wanting to like, compete with that. And mm-hmm. I think, especially if, for, the, for the younger audience who are, who are a lot more vulnerable, and they're in recovery, they're going to see that and think, well, am I not, am I not, I was like never bad enough to recover or is, am I worthy enough of treatment? Because I've never, I've never been hospitalized or I've never been at that weight. And for me, yeah, it, that was, I think for me, again, a really important step in my recovery, recovery was deleting that account. And that did honestly a world of good. It was, it was sad because mm-hmm. I'd, I'd held on to it for a long time, but so, so glad that I did it. And then, so yeah, then on my, on my main account, I started to post the occasional, when I'd been discharged um, from the Eat Disorder Unit, I'd put a post up on that. And I got, you know, so many people reached out to me after that, which I thought, oh, like that's, you know, that's, that's really nice. And then I think as time went on, I did, I used to be called... I think it was body posy Chloe, but then again, I I figured I did end up changing my name and like I stopped using um, body positivity hashtags and stuff like that because I felt like I was trying to inhibit a space that wasn't necessarily made for me because I'm quite privileged in a lot of ways. Like I'm white, I'm cisgendered. Um, and I'm slim and I felt like the body positivity movement was created for fat people and marginalized bodies to simply just exist in a safe space. Mm-hmm. And I feel like to be a good ally for fat people, you kind of, well, a good ally for any marginalized group, you've, you've kind of got to step back and let them do the talking and give them that platform. And so, yeah, I, I moved away from that. Um, and I've lost my um, track of thought now. <laughs> no, that's okay. You, I just want to say like, you are such a good, and like one reason that I really gravitated towards your post and your content and your mm. account was just like, you are such a good ally and advocate and like yeah. everything that you post, it's just like, and even in talking to you right now, like I'm thinking about so many different things in so many different ways. And like your perspective yeah. is just so positive and Mm. like I just want to commend you for that because your way of thinking is like I wish the rest of the world could like hop on that train of thought with you Mm. yeah (laughs) thank you yeah of Um, course yeah and I think as well I think I I owe quite a lot of thanks to the fat people that I follow on Instagram for just Mm -hmm. unapologetically existing because that helped me so much with my with my recovery and I think without them, I, pr- I probably wouldn't have got to the place that I am now. Um, so yeah, I do. I'm very thankful for for them just just being them and existing. yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, then I, I kind of started to gravitate more towards like self love account, and I just the aim of it was just to 
obviously spread positivity, but also I know quite a lot of people aren't privileged enough to even have access to healthcare. And I just, I wanted to let people know that like I am here and I know it's not much like I'm a person like on the internet, but that obviously when I started to get a lot of feedback from it, like how much I was helping them, it kind of influenced me to want to do it more. And it, it makes my struggles and going to hell and back with my eating disorder kind of worthwhile to know that I'm helping other people. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, then it, it started to get, yeah, more about kind of, yeah, more body neutrality because I think that reaching body love is completely unattainable. And I think now I've got to the stage where I'm not happy, but I also don't, I'm not happy with my body, but I'm also not unhappy with it. Mm -hmm. And I think for me, that's what body neutrality is about, being kind of indifferent about the way that you look. And now because I kind of let go of that eating disorder identity, I've had a chance to find myself and to create a new identity. And that's kind of, again, took my... I'm not hyper-focused on the way that I look and it, it doesn't bother me anymore. And I think that's, I was getting frustrated because I thought, oh, I've got to love my body all the time. This is what eating disorder recovery is. I've got to love it. I'm, I must love it. And then I realized that that's not it. It's, it, mm-hmm. it's, yeah, it's been indifferent. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that too, I know. And especially like I've spent the last three months like, social distancing and quarantine yeah. and like I've had a lot of time to think and like read about like body positivity versus just like mm. body acceptance yeah. and like it's such a valid point just be like I because I thought that too I was like well in order to be mm. recovered from my eating disorder I have to wake up every day and be like I look so good it's yeah. so great <laughs> but like some days you just get out of bed and you look in the mirror you're like that's what you get <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah it's like what it- <laughs> Like, yeah, and I can't exactly. even explain it, but like there were, and I'm sure like you can say this too, but like there were so many days where I woke up and just like hated everything about the way mm-hmm. that I look that like some days getting up and just being like, eh, is okay. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. cool, that's better than what it used to be. And like, that's growth and that's yeah. great. Exactly. So like, yeah, I totally, totally feel that. Yeah, that is it. Um, you explained that so much better than me. <laughs> I, like I said, I've had three months to like, sit on it um yeah but I was gonna ask you too like what is your experience with COVID-19 in regards to like your your mental health and stuff like that um so oh gosh yeah it's it's been I think at at the beginning so I live in um supported living which is where it's mental health supported living and there's staff 24 7 Hmm. Um, and there's like, so we all have our, like our separate flats and then there's a communal area and I obviously I'm doing things throughout the day. Um, but I absolutely love being around people. So I would spend most of the time in like the main communal bit around people. So I think the initial, like getting told that we weren't allowed to go in there anymore and I wouldn't be able to see my family. I wouldn't, it just, my whole entire world just came crashing down. And at first, I think it, it seemed so unreal. I was just like, this, this can't be happening. Like this, I, I, it was confusing. And 
I had so many emotions and it, it was, yeah, it was my mood, my mood plummeted for the first couple of weeks and I've obviously I'm not doing what I usually do. So my routine was kind of all broken down and I think a routine for me is what keeps me going. And I think you've got, because there's not much to do, you've got more time to sit with your thoughts and Mm -hmm. I know that I do things so fastly and so quickly and so much to kind of avoid how I'm feeling. So to kind of have to sit down and, and sit with them uncomfortable feelings, it was, it was hideous, horrible. Um, and in terms of, in terms of my eating disorder, I, I'm not going to lie. I did. I, I was on the verge of relapse. I was because I had more time to focus on my body and the way that it looked. And obviously I wasn't, I walked quite a lot and I wasn't able to do that. And then the disordered thoughts that, oh, well, you're not walking as much as you usually do. So maybe you should cut down on what you're eating to, to kind of prevent that weight gain. But I think if that was a couple of years ago, I'd have relapsed, that would have been it. Mm-hmm. Um, but now I can rationalise and I was thinking now I can kind of sit back and think well you know what so what if I put on weight when I break it down why does it matter it's it, it's weight it doesn't mean anything it doesn't hold any substance and it's it's not inherently bad mm-hmm. and I think because I've I've got that now I think that's what's prevented me from actually relapsing um and I think I've been mind, mindlessly eating as well because I've not got anything to do so I'll just find myself snacking yes <laughs> like big time all the time (laughs) and obviously there's the there's the guilt that comes with that um like oh maybe I shouldn't be in that and I think I did suffer with binging quite a lot and if if, like if you've suffered with it as you'll know I think with that it it, it, a kind of all or nothing and very black and white mentality comes with it so you know if I'd if I'd been picking throughout the day and eating quite a lot or eating more than what I usually would in my head it would be like well you've got it up now so you might as well go binge like yeah yeah and so that's been quite hard for me to deal with mm-hmm. um and I don't know I think because quite a lot of our restrictions have been lifted now mm-hmm. um and, it, and it's not as bad and I think I've, I've kept connected with family with staff, with my friends. And I think that's what's kept me going throughout it. And I know it's been a horrible situation, but it has, it's actually made me quite come, become a lot closer to my family and my friends, which is, you know, it shouldn't have taken a pandemic to, <laughs> for that to happen, but I'm glad that, you know, that, that has happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I've struggled a lot with, the you see a lot of accounts on Instagram and Facebook talking about you know today I learned 10 new yoga moves I ran 20 miles I've done this I've done that and I think that can leave you feeling really shit because maybe all you've done today is simply just exist mm-hmm. and you've not showered you've not really got out of bed maybe you've got out of bed to make a cup of tea and you've gone back to bed and I think it can leave you feeling I don't know what's the word really really ishy and you're left comparing yourself thinking why aren't I coping like that why aren't I learning how to play guitar or learning a new skill and I think that's been quite hard for me to be able to just accept the fact that maybe today I can't get out of bed and I do want to stay in bed but that's okay and if that 
if that's what surviving looks like for me and if that's how I get through this time then yeah that's okay yeah definitely and I so my podcast is like been only aired in like this COVID-19 mm. world yeah. um, and when I was asked <clears throat> in November of 2019 to start doing this and like getting ready for this April release date like yeah. I had this thought of like only this podcast was only going to be positive. It was only going to be like, it was going to be yeah. real, but it was going to have this positive spin mm. on it. And yeah. the episode that I'm releasing on June 1st is like me just talking about how shitty COVID has been and like mm. the direction of this podcast is changing because of it. Yeah. Um, and like my eating disorder recovery is changing because of it. And like, yeah. so I just always like to address with people like how it's going now, like mm. when I record episodes, because like yeah. this time hasn't necessarily been positive for everyone. And like, no we live in this world of like you said comparison and you mm. you turn on the tv you log into instagram and it's like you click on the stories and everyone's yeah. up at six o'clock in the morning yeah. and going on runs and i'm in bed at noon just yeah. waking up looking at my phone and i'm like oh my god i haven't done any of that yeah and exactly. you just feel so bad but like and in regards to my body i'm trying to remind myself like we're just trying to survive right now yeah so like if I come out X amount of pounds heavier, like I yeah. survived this pandemic. Yeah. Like when I have exactly. kids one day, they're going to be like, what was this like? And it's going to be like, yeah. I w I'm not going to tell them how many miles I ran. I'm going to talk yeah. to them about like what it was actually like to be in it. And I just, exactly. Think, yeah. And it's just been, this time has been so crazy and mm -hmm. like it's challenged like me and my recovery in ways I mm -hmm. never saw yeah. coming. And it's just been so interesting. So I always like to ask people about their experience yeah. with it too. No, yeah, it is. It is a good question. I think, I think not, not even for eating disorders as well. Like most mental health conditions, I think it's been, it's been, you know, horrendous mm -hmm. for a very long time. And I'm on, I'm on mood stabilizers because I suffer with bipolar. And even for me, like I hit, I've not, I've been stable for so long um especially since I've been on these and I'm kind of a I'm at a nice even keel and like I had my first depressive episode that I've had in like a year mm -hmm. and I never thought that I'd be made to feel like that again so yeah it's I think it, it's good to talk about it is and yeah and like you said you're not you know when you if you have kids when you're older, you're not going to turn around and be like, oh, I gained, you know, X amount of pounds during this lockdown. It's not, yeah, it's not, or yeah, it's just not important. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, and like, again, I think comparison is just the thief of joy. It's, it's, it's the worst thing that you can do. And again, I think on social media, it can be a facade that people put on and it, it's not very raw and real. And I think that's that's super important to remember that, you know, that's, yeah, it's not real. It's not realistic. It's not, mm -hmm. yeah, it's. One of the best things I ever heard in regards to like social media and especially Instagram is that when you look at someone's feed, that's their highlight reel mm -hmm. and you compare yeah. their like best moments of their life to your everyday mm -hmm. mundane, like exactly. life. And mm -hmm. you're like, oh, I'm, I'm nothing like them. And like you said, comparing yeah. is just going to take all of that happiness that you feel away and mm -hmm. like especially right now when all you do or at least all I do all day I mean now I'm back at work and stuff like that but mm -hmm. like for the last three months all I've done is look at social media 
it's like how are people like going on 10 mile hikes and doing all this stuff i'm like what what like (laughs) you guys are lucky if i just like you said get up and shower and make a cup of coffee like you're blessed that's all you get Uh, yeah i mean i can barely even make it to my snack cupboard in my kitchen like never mind (laughs) going for a 10 mile run like that's that is my worst nightmare yes well now that things are opening back up i feel like one thing i've been struggling with is like Again, on social media, everyone's like, ooh, everything opened up. I went to the gym. I went shopping. I did this. Yeah. I did this. I'm like, I, I'm exhausted waking up and going to work and coming yes. home. Like, we just spent three months being totally mm-hmm. by ourselves and, like, I waitress and socializing yeah. with all these strangers for eight hours. I'm like, I haven't done that <laughs> since March. Like, we're almost yeah. in June. What is going on? Mm-hmm. It's so exhausting. And then... So now even coming out of it, like everyone's trying mm. to be the best at bouncing mm-hmm. back to normal. And like, yeah. that's just, that's just not some people's reality. And just like no. addressing that and talking about it is so important. Cause like, yeah, the whole point of this podcast is to make people feel less alone. And so like, mm-hmm. whether that's an eating disorder recovery or yeah. in the middle of a freaking pandemic, mm. like yeah. we all feel so alone. So just like, yeah, mm-hmm. just addressing how, how you're dealing with it and stuff like that. I feel like that is going to resonate with people. because we're all in the same boat at this point Mm -hmm. yeah definitely I agree and I think for me I know that what's been helping is I think just again that that acceptance and it it takes it takes a while to get to that point because it's so much easier to kind of engage in the negative thoughts rather than you know the the better thoughts the ones that aren't as bad as that and and I think what I've been doing on a night and and it sounds really trivial but on a night I'll sit down and I'll make a cup of tea. <laughs> Very British yes. thing to do. <laughs> and um, yeah, I'll sit down and then I'll write as many things as I can think of on a piece of paper that things that I've done today that I'm proud of. And I think it, it's made me appreciate the small things like, for example, on the list that I did last night, it was, I think it was, what did I put on there? So it was like, I managed to make myself tea. And I've not made that in a very long time. Um, I made my bed. <laughs> I was just um, thinking that. It's like, I yeah. make my bed every day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and I think I'd, I'd gone round into the back garden and I'd, I'd had a sit down and had a chat with people. And I think socialising can be quite hard when you're not, you know, it, it takes a lot of energy. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I did that. And I even gave my entire flat a clean and watered my plants. And I never do that. <laughs> Yes. they'll die within like a couple of days um and I think yeah then I look at it in the morning and I'm like oh like I actually did quite a lot of things that I'm actually proud of because I could have just stayed in bed all day and I'm and I think yeah that's that's been super helpful to have that like, mm-hmm. in front of me so I can see I'm that I'm totally gonna start doing that that's such a good yeah. point because even just now I'm like thinking about what I've done <clears throat> it's 1 30 here and I'm like okay well I got up and took a shower and then <clears throat> cleaned my kitchen and like did yeah. the stuff and like <clears throat> at the end of the day if you don't sit down and think about that stuff you don't think you did anything no exactly. you're like yeah. we live in this world of like everyone has to be so productive and <clears throat> good at everything and this and that and like yep. just taking the time to acknowledge those like <clears throat> little seemingly like mundane things that yeah should be proud of especially mm-hmm. in a time like this like that's, yeah, that's exactly. really important and I think as well if, if it was turned around and you know somebody else said like if you'd come up to me and told me that I'd be like girl that is great like that's incredible that's amazing um and I do I always try and turn it around as well and think like what would I say to somebody else who told me that 
Mm-hmm. Um, I, I remember my friend a couple of days ago had said that she'd made a cake and she'd even, obviously she suffers with an eating disorder and she'd even considered trying some. And she was just like, oh, like I couldn't even try it. I couldn't even have a piece of it. And I was like, girl, two months ago, you wouldn't have made a cake. Mm-hmm. A month ago, you wouldn't have even contemplated having a bit of that cake. Like even contemplating, like you nearly did that. And that is absolutely incredible because mm-hmm. two weeks ago, you, you wouldn't even thought of doing that. So yeah, I think it is, it's, it's so important. So important. Definitely, yeah. Um, so then one of the last things that I want to ask you is pretty much, I like to leave everyone with like a mic drop moment to give people mm-hmm. the opportunity to say something <laughs> impactful. So like, what is any food for thought that you have remaining for our listeners to kind of chew on after this episode? Um, oh, I've got a couple of things. Um, I just want to put it out there that I know that if you are in the depths of your eating disorder right now, and it probably feels like there'll never be a way out, never. And it feels like there's not a light at the end of the tunnel. But honestly, going through an eating disorder was, I just, I can't even put into words, a complete and utter living nightmare. And there were a point where I thought I'm never going to recover. And my life is going to be like this. This is for the rest of my life. I'm just going to be in and out of treatment that's it but now I am actually at a place where I can say I'm fully recovered and I didn't believe that I didn't think there were going to be a chance that in maybe seven years down the line that I could actually sit here now speaking to you and say that I'm fully recovered from anorexia so I think yeah it's so important to keep that in mind and I have got like three quotes that I've kind of lived by I've forgotten one a minute let me let me find it where's it gone a minute on a side note your highlight in the lighting right now in this zoom call is like so good you turned it i was like oh my gosh (laughs) oh i've I've lost oh found it (laughs) um so where's it so yeah what i'd mentioned earlier about bearing in mind that your eating disorder will never be happy no matter how much weight you lose. And then coming from that as well, that also made me think that it's not your body that you need to change. It's the way that you see yourself that needs to change. And that again was a pivotal moment in my recovery. And also this too shall pass. I live by that quote Mm -hmm. because it is true. It does pass. And I know it's so uncomfortable to sit with, with a thought of a disordered thought in general. It is so uncomfortable. And sometimes it feels like, well, it is easier to just engage in it, engage in eating disordered behaviors. But, and I'm not putting this lightly. It's incredibly horrible to have to sit with it, to sit with that uncomfortable feeling, but it does pass and it will pass. And the more you do it and the more you sit with it, the easier it gets. So yeah, that as well. <laughs> Beautiful. I love all of those. I live by a lot of those too. So that's yeah. so awesome. Is there anything else that you want to say to people before I stop recording? Um, I get there's so much that I wanted to say and I'm like, I'm really worried that I might have missed things out or that I've not said the things that I want to do. I feel like I didn't really emphasize how 
when I was obviously talking about my journey, how, um, yeah, what, what I missed off actually was, you know, when you asked me about why I'd started the account, mm-hmm. I think I started it as well, just to throw in there that I was aware that I've been quite lucky with my treatment because in the UK, we have a BMI cutoff threshold. Mm. So you have to be under a BMI of 13.5 to even be considered for inpatient treatment, which is horrendous. And I'm aware that not a lot of people, probably 80% of the people struggling with an eating disorder, they're not going to be under that threshold. Mm -hmm. And I you know, that means that they actually haven't got access to eating disorder treatment. It's just not there for them. And I think being told that as well and being turned away for life-saving treatment because your weight isn't under that threshold, it's just, it's horrible. So I thought that if I could possibly have an account there for people that can't access treatment and help them, whether it just be that they DM me and they want to talk or just looking for my posts and... I had quite a lot of people saying that they'd been turned away from treatment because of their weight, because, you know, they've had doctors say to them, you can't possibly be struggling with an eating disorder because, well, because of your weight, it's, it's just, it's not possible. And they'd come to me with that. And, you know, I I'd just sit and chat with them. And by the end of it, they'd just be like, they'd be so thankful and so grateful. And it was just, yeah, just to know that I could help people and that, I think I brought quite a lot of people together who had had the same experiences with services. And that's why I try to, I remember I did a post about boycotting the before and that was so important to me and it helped so many people because again, it having that before photo, it doesn't actually portray the mental recovery because I think that's obviously the weight gain is a side effect of that. And I just think it's, it's, yeah, it's just, it's just not important. And mm-hmm. I wanted to stress that a lot with my post that, you know, anybody at any size can struggle with an eating disorder. It isn't mm-hmm. a body type and you shouldn't be left to feel like your eating disorder is less severe because of your weight. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of where my account started. And that's kind of the route that I went down. Um, because yeah, a lot of the recovery and body positivity accounts you see, you're seeing emaciated photos of, of women Mm-hmm. and then photos of them with a bit of weight gain and it's that's yeah that didn't sit with me well so I think that's again why I wanted to go down that route as well with mm-hmm. my account yeah. So, yeah and that post I have seen that post and I love that post mm-hmm. because it's it's so important like you said and like mm-hmm. I feel like I did one before and after at one point but it was like of my face yeah. because yeah. it was like look at look at like mm-hmm. I was smiling but then you see a picture of me like actually smiling like post yeah all of that and it's like that difference mm-hmm, means the world exactly. to me. so it's like it's yeah. it's not about how you looked like in the mm-hmm. depths of your eating disorder it's about yeah. how you felt and like that mm-hmm. that mental transition and like yeah. when you're recovering from an eating disorder yeah your body will change and it'll yeah. it'll shift but like that's not that's not the focus and no. i love that your account does that because especially in like making the the food for thought instagram Mm -hmm. and like trying to find people to follow and like yeah that's why i'm so glad i stumbled upon your account because Mm -hmm. i was finding all these girls that were like i and even like throwing out like what they weighed before and what they weigh now like that is so that's so toxic and like Mm -hmm. i had been on 
Instagram specifically for like eating disorder recovery pages yeah. and like various accounts I've had over the years since like 2013. And that stuff has always been there. And like you said, like mm -hmm. admitted this many times, start weight this yeah. weight and weight this way. And it's just like, I was, I was like looking at that with an overweight body when I was yeah. like, so into my anorexia, I was still mm -hmm. overweight because I had started overweight. Yeah. And I was like, well, then if this is what you have to weigh to be sick with an eating disorder, then I'm mm -hmm. not, then I'm good. Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. despite all of the like physical things that were happening to my body and like mm -hmm. my, my mental health and physical health was deteriorating because yeah. I saw that I was like, I'm fine. I'm not sick. Mm -hmm. And like, yeah, just having accounts like yours that do tackle that kind of stuff yeah. and like do address that that's toxic mm -hmm. are so good. Yeah. And I, th I think as well, that's, that's, that is a big barrier as well for people actually accessing treatment because mm -hmm. they're going to be stayed away from going with the fear that the doctor's going to laugh in the face and be mm -hmm. like, you haven't got an eating disorder. You can't have an eating disorder. Yeah. Um, so yeah. 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 Well, is there anything else that you want to add? I could literally talk to you all day because you're so... <laughs> You're so nice. Can we just have like a general chit chat at some point? Yes, yes. <laughs> um, but no, I think I think I've covered everything. Yeah. So okay. um, yeah, I just want to say thank you for the opportunity because it's been thank you. I when I was reaching out to people, like I don't know why, but I was just so nervous. I was like, nobody's gonna want to do this. Nobody's gonna want to talk about it. So like, just having people be willing to come on and share their stories, like mm -hmm. you and everything that you've talked about, like when that drops on on all the platforms that it will, like that's going to make a difference in someone's life. And I hope that you know Yay. that. And like everything that you're doing is so great. And I'm so Thank happy I got too. to talk to you. Thank Me you. Too. <laughs> all right, everyone, that is it for this week's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in to my conversation with Chloe Reagan. And I have linked all of her social media in the description for the episode. So make sure to give her some love, send her some follows and just support her in all of the amazing things that she does. I will talk to you guys next week. Enjoy your day. Has it been a while since you flipped that thermostat from heat to cool? Turn to the experts at Griffith Energy Services before you do for an $88 AC start and check to make sure your AC is in tip-top shape. Griffith specializes in carrier, but services all brands. Visit GriffithEnergyServices.com today. Your local carrier expert. That's GriffithEnergyServices.com. License number MDHVACR01-2278. Griffith Energy Services. Doggone dependable. Look, staying healthy isn't easy. Watching your diet, hitting the gym, avoiding stress. But a good night's rest helps boost your overall health and wellness. And it couldn't be easier. The new Sleep Number 360 Smart Bed is the only bed that effortlessly adjusts and responds to both of you. The result? You wake up ready for anything. Proven quality sleep is life-changing sleep. And now the new Queen Sleep Number 360 C4 Smart Bed is only $14.99, plus special financing, only for a limited time. Special financing subject to credit approval. Minimum monthly payments required. See store for details.